0: Welcome to HBW's Over the Counter podcast, where we chat with experts and insiders about the latest trends and issues in the beauty and wellness industries. I'm Eileen Francis, HBW beauty reporter. In this episode, I caught up with Eva Tixiera, co-founder and CEO of San Diego-based Good Face Project, a company that launched in 2018 to provide software that assists hundreds of leading cosmetic companies in formulation, product innovation, and regulatory compliance. With the implementation of the Modernization of Cosmetics Regulation Act, the GoodFace project is discussing how its technology can support many facets of the new requirements, starting with facility and product registration to meet the fast approaching December 29th deadline. As Texira is a technologist with a background in strategy, engineering, and consumer goods, we're anxious for her take on MoCRA so far and where she sees her firm assisting in the registration process. Thank you for joining us today, Eva. We're so happy that you have um, agreed to speak with us. I wanted to start, um, I was hoping you could tell us about yourself. I understand you are a technologist with a background in engineering and consumer goods. So um, I'd love to know what, what prompted you to develop a technology platform that is specific to the cosmetics industry.
1: Um, this uh, this kind of um, moment that dates back uh, almost six years ago when I was um, consulting um, because I have also background in strategy consulting and I was consulting one of the big five um, corporations uh, in beauty. Um, that particular company is headquartered in the UK, and at that point in time. Um, in the third quarter of 2017 that company was having a really really hard time um uh seeing roi from its marketing campaigns so it would run a campaign uh the customers would would go to the product purchase the product and then nothing they would not repurchase so every single time the company wanted to increase sales it had to spend incremental um not n- not not incrementally less but but uh, basically the same amount of of marketing budget in order to get uh, the same results which was becoming quite frustrating um to the board and um they brought me in to ask a lot of very broad questions of um a segment of consumers that represented their really like best, best users, their best consumers, uh, meaning uh, the ones that have the most disposable income and the ones that um, seem to um, be very, very interested in the category. And of course, that consumer ended up being at that point in time, the millennial. And um, as we know, millennials are pretty, pretty bogged down in life uh, nowadays with aging parents, with kids that are growing, uh, with dual career households. So I was interviewing a bunch of these people um, back in early November of 2017. And I expected that these people would talk about product performance or cost or the convenience Mm -hmm. of acquiring cosmetics. And to my surprise, it was there, you know, like every single consumer consumer research yields to a certain extent uh, insights about these three dimensions, you know cost, um, convenience, and performance. But there was a much bigger learning that I didn't even anticipate to get, which was the consumers that I was interviewing were so deeply interested in ingredients. And they were interested in ingredients from kind of three, three vantage points. One of them was, why should I use vitamin C versus niacinamide or glycolic acid? Can you tell me what each of them do? Should I become, you know, should should I be complementing my skincare routine with mm-hmm. extracts of these things should I be mixing them together when should I be using them just like a lot a lot a lot of questions about efficacy and really kind of boosting efficacy and being almost like a home an, an at-home skincare expert for yourself um, All right the second dimension was tell me which of the ingredients in my um Uh, beauty routine and which of the ingredients in my kids' personal care items and my husband's deodorant or my partner's uh, uh, cologne or perfume are going to likely cause them to over time be sick. What, where, like, I keep hearing about these hormonal disruptors. Is this what caused my friend's breast cancer? Um, My, you know, my sister-in-law is trying to get pregnant and she is not succeeding and her OBGYN told her to stop using certain cosmetics. What is that about? Where are these ingredients? I wanna know more about them. And so there were a lot of questions about safety and human health. And Mm -hmm. finally, not really super strong, not as strong as the first two, but people were already starting to ask, okay, where does this go when I wash it off my hair in the shower every morning? Mm -hmm. Am I harming aquatic life? Uh, What happens to the bottles when when I put them in the recycling bin? Do they actually get recycled? A lot of questions about sustainability as well. And that was as early as in 2017. So Mm
0: -hmm.
1: for me, after I submitted the brief to the board, I came back to San Diego and I started looking at the overall beauty space, And I saw that already in two thousand and seventeen, there was a huge wave of consumers moving to clean beauty, And that hashtag was growing by leaps and bounds on Instagram at that time. And um I said, "Well, that's very interesting. Let me take a look at the like what's co- what's happening with the big companies." And I already started seeing m and a activity. Uh, from big companies to indie brands that claimed to be clean or vegan or mm-hmm. um, you know environmentally friendly in some way, and I said to myself, "Well, that's very interesting. Where have we seen this story before?" Because I'm a consultant and engineer, I love to study systems, and right. I and I reminded myself that actually the entire ten years prior to that. I and a whole bunch of other millennials had spent completely revolutionizing the food industry with the same exact questions. Where is Mm. it coming from? Is it going to be good for me? Which ones of these things should I be consuming organic and which ones conventional? Should I be asking all of my stuff to be coming from farms and places located close to me? You know, what is it treated with? And on and on and on. And that gave the rise of all of these. at the time niche niche food products that ended up being acquired for hundreds of millions of dollars by the likes of general mills and nestle and Kraft, Mm -hmm. right so to myself well this is really the same movie it's uh you know the consumer is now has now by and large figured out a whole bunch of shortcuts to ensuring that what he or she puts in her body is good enough and now it's the next frontier, it is about, it is going to be about what we put on our bodies. And sure mm-hmm. enough, beauty, fashion, we're seeing it all play out right now. Mm-hmm. And at that point in time, um, I didn't really know exactly who we were going to serve with um, With what started to be, uh, you know, an idea of, of how we could add value. Uh, into this new inquiry, if you will. Um, But at this point in time, I met my co-founder, who is a brilliant data scientist. Um, And I was explaining all of these problems to her. And I was telling her how beauty doesn't even have um, a good standard nomenclature of uh, naming ingredients the same way. And it's really, really hard to decipher what's what and where it's coming from, and sometimes brands at that point in time would be hiding ingredients by using their technical names uh, in in the labels and so on and so forth, and we just fell in love with the information problem of, okay, if somebody is giving you an ingredient list for a product in the beauty industry, how many dimensions of insight can we, good face, impart on your decision either to carry it as a retailer or to use it as a consumer or to approve it as a brand who is being submitted uh, who is being who's reviewing this ingredient as a submission from their formulator or a contract manufacturer or as a contract manufacturer who is looking at a raw material to buy from the likes of BASF or Dow so that whole supply chain was asking a lot of questions, and there wasn't really an information solution to provide um, insight to the various parties along the process. Mm-hmm. So that's what we ended up saying to ourselves: you know, like we we are not influencers, we're not Kim Kardashian, so we are not going to launch a, another beauty brand and claim that it's clean. Uh, what we can impart into this into this inquiry is um, actually a place where uh, folks could get answers so that's where it was born Um, and we and we have since been quite committed to just that to being the information place for ingredient Mm -hmm. uh insight in the beauty industry
0: well that that's a really neat evolution um for your company and i understand that today um you serve cosmetic brands and retailers formulators and suppliers uh, and you claim mm-hmm. to to um, you have what you call the only value chain uh, within the industry uh, that between all parties within an industry, I should say. So I was hoping you mm-hmm. can expand on what that value chain is and what that what that means to your customers.
1: Yeah, um, this is a great question because it's very, very hard for folks uh, who come from a traditional Um, kind of background of, okay, um, I'm going to use, uh, let's say, Excel spreadsheets to create a pivot table, and then I'm going to use Adobe Acrobat uh, for um, making images. And then in another part of my day, I will use Zoom to have uh, calls. You know, like we're surrounded by technology. We use technology all the time. Um, but, um, very few of the technologies we use actually span the entire value chain of, of whatever we engage in during, during our day. Um, mm-hmm. and, um, usually the technologies that span the entire value chain of what we, of what, uh, we do in an industry or in, um. In a certain aspect of our lives, their information technology. So, if you look at Google as an example, you know it, it span it literally is a hub, and it can answer questions of um, uh, folks who are looking to procure—I don't know—new buttons for. For a shirt that is going to be produced in Turkey, uh, but via Alibaba right like you can you can start your search on Google. Um, The same manufacturer in Turkey, let's say, could be uh, using Google to see whether whether it's uh, competitors are pricing. things higher or lower than they're looking at in the, in on the margin and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. And I can continue with this example. Right. And so uh, information, truly information technologies actually can span the, the entire value chain, especially if they're built on a scalable mm-hmm. uh, level. And so what what I what we mean by the fact that our uh, that we're the only technology that um, for beauty that can answer questions, for um, all the stakeholders across the value chain, is that really in the first few years of the development of our company, we focused, we had this laser focus on creating um, the treasure trove that sits behind Good which is the largest mm-hmm. ontology of cosmetic ingredients in the world. And uh, at this point in time, this really means that we have a huge semantic web whereby where each of the nodes is an ingredient so vitamin c and ascorbic acid are one node because they're equivalents but ascorbic palmitate is a node that's close to that node and it has a lot of links to that node but it's a, but it's all but it is a, its own node because it's actually the the synthetic version of, of vitamin c that has different properties and actually a different molecule So we so we have created this technology that can, first of all, identify uh, similarities and differences between molecules, put them uh, in relative distance from each other based on how close, uh, how similar these molecules are and how dissimilar they are. Okay, and then Mm -hmm. it can actually draw links between these molecules that are logical links, for example. Ascorbyl palmitate and ascorbic acid, they have a very, very uh, strong link between each other. And if you will, they communicate if, let's say, if there is a um, if there is a study that finds that ascorbic acid is highly brightening as an ingredient, the same study will be allocated in our ontology to ascorbial palmitate because that dimension of the molecule and the polarity and all of this stuff makes sense. For this, for this benefit to be shared between the two nodes, so there's like a highway on this, on this dimension. But maybe okay. on the dimension of, of how much these ingredients are irritant, uh, you know, one of these two will be more irritating, so there will be a weaker link between those two nodes. So can you imagine this thing happening for close to half a million molecules that are being currently used in cosmetics and and personal care, and all of these highways in between them, and um, all of that logic being wired by AI. That yeah, that
0: sounds pretty amazing. <laughs> is,
1: yeah, so so that is that is really at the crux of it. And if you think mm-hmm. about it, basically we have engineered like an R two D two for for beauty and personal care at the chemi- mm-hmm. at the chemical level, right? And right. What that means is that anyone who has an ingredient question can get an answer from R2D2, and that is why it spans the whole value chain. So, if I'm an ingredient supplier um, and I want to know why one of my um, best uh, trade names is not selling, I can ask Goodface uh, or Mm -hmm. our ontology where is where like are there any countries or retailers in the world that are actually punishing an ingredient that is in this commercial mix that I'm selling maybe maybe it's Mm. being pressured out of the market by regulation maybe it is pressured out of the market by consumer sentiment maybe a new publication was uh found uh was published like six months ago and it was found that one of the Um, impurities inside of this uh, commercial mix is highly carcinogenic. And I myself wouldn't know any of this if I don't have a resource like Good Face, right? And I'm just looking at I'm just looking at this trade name and how it's flailing in the market, and I'm thinking maybe there are new market entrants, maybe there's pricing issues, and I'm trying to solve the marketing problem. But it may Mm -hmm. very well be a chemistry problem or a health and safety or a sustainability problem that is all related to what's in it. So Mm -hmm. that is just one example. But you can imagine what questions the brands are asking, what questions the manufacturers are asking, the retailers and the consumer themselves. Mm -hmm. And all of this is answerable if you actually understand the granularity of the formula.
0: Okay. And Eva, how long has that uh, platform been available to brands?
1: So we um, we started developing the ontology in early 2018 with my Mm co-founder, and from the get-go, we were determined to make it. And at that point in time, AI was not that sexy, uh, Mm -hmm. but uh, but we were determined to make it wired by machine learning and Mm -hmm. deep learning, and um, we spent a couple of years. working completely incognito um and i was using my uh consulting prowess to actually bootstrap the whole operation while she w- was writing the algorithms and working with engineers oh, wow. um, <laughs> and yeah and in 2020 we we um we started to actually experiment with a few different models first we mm-hmm. were going to actually just be an, a consumer app informing consumers about about what's in their products we tried this it we were not consumer uh, d2c people and we quite frankly um found that um, you know it's it should be somebody else that does this um mm-hmm. and uh, then we then we pivoted to being a retailer uh, only dedicated to retail uh, information system where retailers could literally wire their elastic search algorithms on on their websites to provi- mm-hmm. to provide better search results for the beauty shopper and we found that there's like there are there is interest but 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 there are fewer retailers than actually there are brands and manufacturers and slowly but surely we pivoted into the space of really the product maker and uh, um, the manufacturer and brand of cosmetics and that Mm -hmm. happened in 2021 with the launch of our beta product and at that point in time our first customer in that was actually a retailer who was using good face to screen their formula um, that was being submitted to them by a partner, a contract manufacturer, against their internal restrictions for Target mm-hmm. clean, um, which was actually Target. So so right. that's how we launched. And um, it's funny, we, we launched with a brand, but a retailer brand. Um, and since then we have grown very, very quickly and mm-hmm. uh, the industry has been extremely welcoming to, to
0: our technology. Great. And I I know um, Good Face Project has said that it's um, formulation software helps cosmetic companies create compliant products in about half the time. Are you actually seeing that uh, pretty regularly?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, Mm -hmm. We we have uh, study after study, case study after case study of our uh, customer brands that shows us that, they're able to shrink their product development cycles from a year and a half to a year, sometimes from a year to nine months. And wow. it's because they use, and and actually I have a quote from a brand that um, is uh, right now the number one fastest growing brand at Sephora, for example,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, that that is like they said, we're not going to work with contract manufacturers anymore unless they use GoodFace because we can, (laughs) in GoodFace, they can be connected. The contract Mm -hmm. manufacturer, the formulator can be connected to the brand and the two of them are actually collaborating in a very, very transparent way where everybody knows what's being used, what what ingredients are being included, what is the upside and the downside of including every single ingredient, um, how is the formula going to perform, what's the stability, all of this stuff is visible mm-hmm. in the platform because it's not just a collaboration for the for the brand and manufacturer, but it's also transparent collaboration that has a lot of ingredient insight embedded in the natural flow of using the product.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, now I wanted to sort of um, switch and talk a little bit about the um, Modernization of Cosmetic Regulation Act. Um, mm-hmm. And I know, you know, you're being a, a technologist and having expertise in regulatory compliance and formulation. I was hoping to get your take on the Cosmetics Direct Portal um, that was unveiled, you know, about, I guess, about a month ago. Um, mm-hmm. What is your take? Does it does it seem pretty user friendly to you so far? Sure, it does. And um, actually, uh,
1: the FDA has focused on, uh, quite frankly, very few data points uh, to collect Mm -hmm. both from uh, facilities and from um, and from brands. Um, And I'm I'm looking forward to actually uh, seeing it go live. It was supposed to go live in the first week of October. Mm-hmm. Um, yesterday I was checking on it, and it was still not released uh, and open to um, brands and manufacturers to begin registration online. Um, but um, what's what's uh, what's really really important to Keep in mind about that portal is not necessarily it's user friendliness for a one time entry of a product listing, for example, because Mm -hmm. all the brands are going to mandatorily now have to list every single one of their products on the market. Um, It's not it's not the ease of use for one product listing, but um, it is the fact that for every single product listing you have to do the same work and actually if anything changes about your product maybe you decide to replace um uh an ingredient in it because maybe one of your raw materials was discontinued Mm -hmm. um maybe you change manufacturers Uh, maybe you change the company's physical address you have 120 days grace period to make that um um, update on your product listing with the fda Mm -hmm. and at the very least every product needs to be resubmitted every year Mm -hmm. okay Mm -hmm. so we are talking about not necessarily the one product listing that you're going to do as a brand or the one facility registration that you're going to do as a facility, but it's actually the upkeep that you will have to do on, on these things.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, at this point in time, we we have uh, about about 60% of our um, uh, GoodFace platforms users are brands. Uh, and these folks, um, some of them have thousands of UPCs, thousands mm-hmm. of unique products when it's when the market is concerned um we have uh, uh the rest you know like we have about 30% contract manufacturers that are that are customers of our platform and these contract manufacturers are the manufacturers of these brands that are that are you know the other 60% or you know so to speak and and right. um and these manufacturers actually need to update their facility registration every single time they begin working with a new brand so imagine your Voyant beauty uh which is of course a large contract manufacturer or your kdc uh one and you have all of these facilities and all of your business development folks are going out there and trying to get all the indie beauty brands, all of the brands to start working with you and you're creating a new project for brand XYZ today, a new project for brand ABC tomorrow, every single new brand that you begin working with demands, like the FDA requires for you to update your facility registration within 60 days of the beginning of a new relationship with a new brand. <laughs> so okay, that basically requires a dedicated um, either dedicated uh, personnel on your team or dedicated technology on your team to mm-hmm. keep it up to date and to and to um, and to take away the manual uh, work over time. And that's kind of the the opportunity that we have found uh, as a technology company. We say, okay, yeah, every single brand will pay, a regulatory person to do the update um, once, right? To do the product mm-hmm. listing once. But the next time they need to update that product listing, they will have to face the same cash outlay to the same regulatory consultant, hopefully, mm-hmm. because maybe that regulatory consultant is great. Um, and every single time, it, there's no no diminishing costs, right, on on the side of the brand. Whereas Mm -hmm. with us, we actually are developing a an automated uh, routine where if you put all of your products that are in market in your good face portfolio of in market Mm -hmm. products, you will be able to press a button, download the whole folder that is for the registration of one product and just push it over to the FDA direct website. Mm -hmm. So we're we're. Just trying to figure out how to take out the the really dumb work of really Mm -hmm. redoing redoing all of the like all of the fields of a product listing just to change one uh, Mm -hmm. every year. You know,
0: would you say that that service is the biggest benefit you provide companies when it comes to preparing for MoCRA?
1: You know, Eileen, All of these uh, things that I was describing, you know, the automated uh, facility registration uh, features in GoodFace, the automated product listing features in GoodFace Mm -hmm. is really like the the actual technology. But I don't really think that that's the most important piece that we provide today. Mm -hmm. Um, There is a lot of misinformation about what the regulations entail, um, mostly because... Actually, folks don't want to sit down and grab a cup of coffee and read the whole thing. Mm -hmm. It is very, very, very easy to digest, by the way. We sat down, we read it. It's good to read it. Um, And in the absence of uh, everybody's ability to do so, actually, the most important thing that we supply to our customers is education. And Mm -hmm. that is completely free. You know, we... we, Mm -hmm we take it up uh, uh, and we actually consider it our honor because we're kind of, we're we're newcomers, you know, into the industry. We did not come from a background of cosmetic chemistry or product development or any of this. And so we're, you know, we're this information service. And as such, we didn't know with certainty that we would be so accepted. And so, um, uh, you know, people would engage with us so quickly mm-hmm. in the industry. And so now, because we have uh, received that honor, if you will, we're we're returning the favor and we're doing our absolute best to educate ourselves very, very quickly, and then to turn around and to provide education to our entire community.
0: Mm-hmm. That's great. Um, and I know kind of... Um, Going back a little bit, stepping back to talk about your database for a moment. Um, I know GoodFace Project says it has the world's largest uh, centralized inky database, uh, and of course that is used for the development of products. But um, I was wondering how that—how does that play into compliance uh, with MoCRA? How does that uh, serve mm-hmm. that serve as a benefit?
1: Yeah, super good question. So. Um, The one of the aspects of the product listings for Under Mokra is um, having to list for each of your product listings in in each of your product listings. You need to list the actual ingredients um, as they appear on the product label. Okay. Mm -hmm. And next to them, there is this field that is called UNII, which is a unique ingredient identifier. Um, and the FDA has said, where possible, please also list the UNII. Um, mm-hmm. The UNII right now is not a compulsory field, but over time it will become so. And um, the the reason why it will become so is because uh, at some point in time, when allergen uh, restrictions and labeling uh, become uh, become a reality under Mokra. Mm-hmm. As they're they're slated to be published um, right. in 2024. Um, the allergens have to be identified with an uh, with a UNII, so that the FDA can more programmatically be reading what what's happening uh, with products. So at this point in time, this UNII or like it's almost like a uh, like a uh, like a social security number of the inky of the ingredient. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, this UNII is not compulsory for the product listings, but it will become so over time. And um, the FDA released a spreadsheet that has 930,000 rows. It's almost a million rows. Okay, and it okay. contains inky. And next to it, the UNII that the inky should, should have. Um, now, brands that want to have a leg up will go and try to read the spreadsheet or they will go to the UNII search uh, service uh, that is also available on the FDA's website and they will type in every single one of their ingredients, product by product, and they will get the UNII's. Well, mm-hmm. when... Um, When we found the spreadsheet of almost a million rows, we just overnight pushed it into our ontology. Our algorithms did their job. And within within a few days, we had our whole ontology with tagged with the commensurate UNIIs in every single node. Mm. And what that means is that now, today you know, just literally overnight, good face customers can actually um, download ingredient lists for all of their products that already have the ingredient and the UNI right next to it. And that's where kind of it, anything really that happens at the ingredient level, we very, very quickly can operationalize it and we can Mm -hmm. enable folks. So this is just just one expression of Mokra. Um, that uh, the, I'm just giving you the example. But imagine anything new happens. You know, like let's say the tagging of allergen needs to happen. Boom! Overnight, you if you are a customer of GoodFace, you will be able to produce labels that have uh, allergen uh, statements on them. Mm-hmm. Because if we know the 30 or 100 or 500, whatever allergen the the FDA publishes, we can recognize them in all of their names with all of their synonyms. And we can help you as a manufacturer drop an ingredient list, and like immediately, our technology will sort it out between core core ingredients and Mm -hmm. allergen ingredients that will need to be put on an allergen statement and we already do this for the European Union so it's like it's a no-brainer for us okay this is this is what this is how the expression of what this AI you know wired ontology means to our customers it doesn't mean that it will I don't know go and and like our ai is going to go talk to the fda and change the the course of mokra no it means whenever whenever the course of mokra becomes clearer and clearer and clearer and if there is Mm -hmm. a what so at the ingredient level our customers immediately are able to do something about it
0: Mm -hmm. yeah that's great it's a big time saver sounds like (laughs) 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 um And as we as we head toward the end of our interview, I want to get your thoughts um, on what you think will be the biggest hurdles following this first registration deadline Um, for companies that already registered their facilities and products. What do you see as the next critical step uh, to prepare for that for the next deadline?
1: There is this really, really big area that's called uh, adverse event event reporting. Mm-hmm. Uh, the FDA has defined very, very clearly what that means. But um, as of yet, the, the hotline for adverse event reporting is to be is to be launched. And I think um, brands and manufacturing facilities are having huge trepidations about this. Um, there will be required self-reporting of adverse events. And then you also need to keep uh, record of of the events that you have reported to the FDA for a certain period of months um and and folks are just just very very um um you know uh quite freaked out about it actually um mostly because now the the definition of adverse events reporting and 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 what an adverse event is is very clear but at the same time it leaves um It leaves a lot of doors open, meaning um, if if there is maybe if there is if there are repeated uh, mild, not even adverse events, but mild reports there. Mm -hmm. There is a way for the FDA to actually come after your brand and to start demanding information about the overall safety of your of your ingredients, of your manufacturing practices um, and of like everything uh so so that is that is really what's keeping
0: people up at night quite frankly mm-hmm. and is does good face have any um services they can provide to assist with that portion of mokra
1: yeah so uh good face centralizes for a brand for example um mm-hmm. a brand can centralize all of the documentation that has to do with uh, the safety profile and the cleanliness and the goodness, if you will, of its products. Um, That's great. At the, almost, almost at the ingredient level. So you can, mm-hmm. uh, using GoodFace, you can really uh, put together, if you will, the, the file that you will just be able to press a button and download and send off to the FDA if you mm-hmm. receive a warning letter right okay. um but that that is you know that that centralization is really really helpful but at the same time up until really this year a lot of the brands in the united states didn't even own the ip of their formulas because they were just licensing them from the manufacturers and the formulators
0: right
1: and under that construct not many brands even had the document from um, their manufacturers that that gave them, you know, concrete information about where the ingredient coming from, how is it sourced, are there any impurities in it, and so on and so forth. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, the industry, uh, you know, as usual, technology is ahead of the industry, or at least our technology is ahead of the industry. And I quite frankly think that Mokra will maybe, maybe not in the smallest brands that are just basically getting started and they're looking to get started in the cheapest possible way so they will license an ingredient, uh, a formula uh, you know for a product, mm-hmm. but the brands that are already scaling, who are now who have it almost like it's a standard process for them that they don't own any formula until they reach certain number of um, number of tubes or, um, you know, Pieces of goop or whatever it is um, mm-hmm. that's that's manufactured by that particular manufacturer. That shift is likely to happen where brands are going to be like, okay, I'm going to be accountable. If I'm going to be accountable and I am already scaling as a brand, might as well you know own the formula from the beginning, pay mm-hmm. a little bit more for it, do a really good job with the development, have all of my document documents in a row because if i if the fda comes knocking then i can turn around and just submit everything that i have in my central folder for this particular product in good faith and so like that that in itself uh, as a practice in the industry will probably be one of the one of the next things that we will see start to unfold um that really like it's it's not about technology actually
0: it's, mm-hmm. it's about mm-hmm. business practices okay well uh Finally for my uh for my last question uh for companies that go at this huge task alone without a partner like yourself, um what words of advice do you give? Um,
1: if you are very, very cash constrained, read the law. just sit down if you if you if you don't have money to spend. Uh, and all you have is your time sit down on a weekend and read the law get super super educated also if you have any questions you can ask us we always can answer Um, but really the only way that you can uh, go at this if you're gonna go at it alone is if you actually know what the law says
0: are good pieces of advice (laughs) and I did listen to um, the Good Face Project webinar last week also on preparing for MOKRA which was very very helpful so that is it for my questions Eva thank you so much for joining us today um, and we really appreciate your very valuable insight Uh, please uh, you know keep touching base and keeping us informed along the way
1: absolutely it was wonderful to speak with you